0: This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor.
1: And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Thursday the 15th of July 2021.
0: And while the biggest COVID outbreak in Australia at the moment... Norman is of course in Sydney. Let's start today by talking about Melbourne. It's not the first time that the Sydney outbreak has spilled over into another part of Australia and we heard yesterday that there's a little cluster, actually two separate transmission events in Melbourne that are growing and it's it's really putting the city on edge.
1: Well I think it's putting the authorities on edge that they're very worried about it, at least they were yesterday and I'm sure they are overnight and we just don't know. At the time of recording this coronacast, what it's going to look like in Melbourne and Victoria today. So there's the removalists and there's lots of uncertainty around the removalists. Uh, An extra truck appeared, which I don't think anybody was ready for. I don't think masks were necessarily used. And we've got exposure sites across Melbourne, including perhaps the MCG. There's a lot of uncertainty and worry. And then there's a second family who came back Uh, from the red zone into Victoria and there seems to be some spread from there. So we've got two separate clusters and and it's an evolving situation. And it just shows, again, at least one of the cases has been what they call fleeting infection, almost certainly. And it just shows the infectiousness of this. And it also shows, again, and this relates to the proposal to go to home quarantine from hotel quarantine for overseas travellers, is that if you're going to go into home quarantine in an apartment block, they're not designed either for confining the virus. If you open the door of your apartment and you happen to have the window open to the outside, you could get the virus blowing into the common areas. The South Bank cluster of a few weeks ago in Victoria, that was in the car parking area, um, as far as I'm aware, or the stairs down to the car parking area. That was a suspicion. And so we... You And know, Yet again, we've got apartment blocks causing problems, as indeed one is in Sydney.
0: So people are wearing masks in those apartment complexes now, I think, in Melbourne. and
1: Well, certainly in Sydney, but I think probably in Melbourne too, yes.
0: And then even though those chains of transmission so far are clear and that there's sort of no mystery cases popping up, there's a huge number of people who are now isolating because of the size of some of these exposure sites, like you say, the MCG, like a huge number of people impacted. Yes.
1: And so it's only become clear over the next two or three days in Victoria whether they've got control of this, but this is the Delta virus. And remember, the outbreak a few weeks ago in Victoria was the Kappa virus, which is not as contagious as this one is. They have had at least one incursion of Delta into Victoria, which they managed to control. A lot of this is luck luck versus misfortune. This Delta virus is... Really, a beast to control,
0: and it might have changed by the time you're listening to this podcast, dear listener. But so far, Melbourne hasn't sort of put in any big, large-scale lockdown measures. But Sydney extended its lockdown by two weeks yesterday. Norman, I'm going to ask you the question I ask every single time: Is it going to be enough?
1: Most analysts say no. It really depends today, I think, as to what the what the government's going to do about increasing their measures. The suggestion is that they should go to stage four if they're not getting control of this, because if you listen to people like uh, Mike Toole of the Burnett Institute, getting to the point that's really pretty close of the contact tracers losing control of the situation and, they're, and then being overwhelmed.
0: Sydney friends, I'm definitely thinking of you from here in Queensland, including you, Norman, and of course, stay home. But if you do have the opportunity to be vaccinated. That's a really great reason to leave the house. And earlier this week, Norman, the Australian Technical Advisory Group on Immunisation, ATAGI, has given some updated information on the risks and benefits of getting vaccinated If with AstraZeneca if you're in an outbreak area.
1: And that's the key proviso. So I did this on 7.30 last night, and that's the key proviso. So it's in an outbreak situation. So in an outbreak situation, they're saying, and what they're arguing is they've always said that what... Astra is approved for is between four and twelve weeks. The recommendation is twelve weeks because, on a subset of the clinical trial, people who by accident got their second dose at twelve weeks seem to get an improved immune response. But the numbers are not that strong. So, in other words, nobody really understands what the diminution is in the immune response by going to eight weeks, six weeks, or four weeks. So I had Professor Terry Nolan on talking about that. The numbers are really loose. So it's quite likely that you're not reducing the immune response that much by going to eight weeks. And what they're saying in our associate professor, Chris Blythe, was saying, who is the co-chair of ATAGI, is that whatever that small diminution of immune response is, it's overwhelmed by the increased practical immunity you get to symptomatic disease and severe disease From going early with a second dose. Second dose is the key.
0: So, if you're in an outbreak area, we encourage you to check out that information. Talk to your GP if you're not sure. If you're not in an outbreak area, the advice remains the same. And there was updated advice for people who are under the age of sixty as well.
1: Yeah, again, they say that they haven't really changed their advice. They're just emphasising that in an outbreak situation, the risk versus benefit equation in terms of the clotting problem versus the risk of uh, the disease changes and encouraging people to get a, have a conversation with their doctor.
0: So that's official advice from ATAGI, which is for all Australians. But then there's also experts looking at different ways that we could be optimising our vaccination rollout in Australia. And Terry Nolan from the Doherty Institute is making the case that perhaps we could be giving a bigger interval between the two Pfizer doses for people who are getting Pfizer.
1: Yes. So he's suggesting that you go to six weeks. And if you go to six weeks with the increased supply coming in in August, then the government could release pretty much all of its second dose supplies. The government's holding quite a lot of Pfizer in reserve so people can get their second doses. But if they know in six weeks from now they've, they've got more doses coming in, they could actually release doses. That's what Canada's done. Canada has just gone hell for leather to get first doses into people. And to state the obvious, which we said before on CoronaCast, you can't have your second dose until you've had your first dose. So they went hell for leather to actually get first doses into people. The rapid increase in vaccination coverage in Canada has just been incredibly impressive. And when I put that to Chris Blythe of ATAGI, what he said was, well, we've already approved Pfizer up to six weeks, so that's OK, but it's up to government to decide whether they want to change the rollout strategy.
0: It's a little confusing. On one hand, we're reducing the interval between doses of AstraZeneca, or that's that's what's being discussed, to give people extra coverage, extra immunity. But there are these experts who are then suggesting that you should extend the interval between Pfizer. So those people who are getting their first dose of Pfizer it, are not fully protected for longer. How does that stack?
1: Let's just take Pfizer. So the, recovery, the, the protection from one dose of Pfizer... So the Delta variant is pretty good. It's not as good as um, the previous variants, but it's pretty good. So you're getting pretty good coverage. It does last that six weeks. And then you get the boost dose, the second dose, at six weeks. And that seems to give you a pretty good immune response from the evidence base. Rather than thinking about increasing and decreasing, it's probably better having the, the six weeks in your mind. Is that really what you're saying is that for both Around about six weeks is, is is pretty good and works quite well. So it works quite well for Astra, getting a second dose into your arm pretty quickly. You could do it four, but let's talk about six. That's what Kerry Chant was talking about in New South Wales. And six weeks for Pfizer. So in effect, it's it's actually evening it up and saying for both, let's do the same thing.
0: Right. So you'd be covered with both doses in the same time period.
1: But it's up to government to say that's the rollout strategy changes to six weeks. And then they flood the available doses onto into areas of high need so that you increase the supply of Pfizer and then use your incoming supply to get the second doses into people at six weeks.
0: It's, a, it's such an interesting way of looking at it. Of course, this isn't medical advice. This is experts talking about different scenarios. Is it something that you could see the government perhaps adopting in the next little while?
1: So this is, this is in the realm of, of policy advice that's coming from the experts, in particular Terry Nolan, and uh, we'll just wait and see whether the Commonwealth comes up with any answers in terms of the rollout.
0: Well, if the questions that we get to Coronacast are any indication, there's a lot of Australians who are very, very keen to get vaccines, but not everyone is completely convinced, Norman. And you had a real-life person asking you vaccine-related questions on your brief um, hour of exercise the other day.
1: Yes, I was up from an hour of exercise. I was in the park coming back up and this um, adult son with his elderly mother, that was the interpretation I made of the some were walking down towards me and the son says oh there's dr swan we're going to ask him and they'd obviously been having an argument and he says you can you talk my mom into out of her fixation here she's not getting immunized because she's waiting for pfizer and then the mother has a go at him and says oh i i you know all, all my friends overseas they've had pfizer i'm going to wait till pfizer and this quite an elderly lady so I was fairly forceful with her. I said, "Look, you're going to be waiting a long time for Pfizer. You might be back. You know, you might be behind 18-year-olds in terms of the queue here. You want to get immunised now? You know, COVIDs all around us in Sydney. Do you really want to get ill and then potentially die? No, I don't think so. Get covered now.
0: Did you just whip a vaccine out of your back pocket and give it to her there, then and there?
1: No, No, if I could have, I would have. You know. But, you know, I'm not honoured by being part of the vaccination strategy. I'd probably need 100 hours of training.
0: Yeah, They're doing the Lord's work, Norman. And a question from Belinda in a sort of similar vein. Um, Belinda's mother is 76 years old and terrified of getting a blood clot with the AstraZeneca vaccine. She wants to use ivermectin instead. And Belinda just wants to know what the evidence is for ivermectin.
1: There's very mixed evidence for ivermectin and mostly as a treatment for COVID-19, certainly not as a preventive and um, if you're going to rely on ivermectin, you know, you might as well rely on mandarins or rubbing your arms with some, th- some weird, weird potion. I mean, there's really very little evidence in terms of ivermectin being a preventive. There's some evidence as a treatment. Um, it's mixed, but there is some evidence as a treatment. So I would not be relying on that for your life.
0: What about a 76-year-old's risk of a blood clot versus severe disease um, with Astra?
1: So at 76, your risk of both the clotting syndrome and if you get it, it being severe is very low.
0: And conversely, your risk of COVID and it being very severe is relatively high.
1: Yes, people are starting to die of this again.
0: Well, on that note, that's all we've got time for on Coronacast today. Keep sending your questions in at abc.net.au slash coronacast or just walk up to Norman in the park.
1: Yep, just accost me. I'm there to be accosted. See you tomorrow.
0: See you then.